Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. All you got to do is live on less than you make and save that. And frankly, as long as you invest that in reasonably conservative stuff, it's going to grow with time and you're going to be fine. What's up, everyone? I'm very excited about this episode today. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview with Dr. Corey Fawcett, who is a general surgeon who had the ability to retire um, in his early 50s. And today we will discuss some of the financial principles that he used from savings, investment, and real estate to be able to achieve that. So as I promised before, this next four to six weeks, we will be discussing money mindset, savings, investments, and using real estate as a tool to achieve financial independence. Earlier this week, one of my athletes, Bryston Page, tragically lost his life at the age of 18. This young man had already achieved what many of us are still striving for, and that's financial literacy. Um, He was already an investor before even beginning college. And, you know, I said I'm going to devote this next four weeks uh, in his honor. So let's get to work. Uh, We have a lot of work to do, and I can't wait for you to hear from Dr. Fawcett. I can promise you this is an episode you do not want to miss. As a matter of fact, go ahead and share with someone else uh, so they can be a part of this financial journey along with you. Without further ado. Dr. Fawcett, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So today we have Dr. Corey Fawcett, who, in his own words, is a repurposed general surgeon. Um, He's also an entrepreneur. He's a real estate investor. Uh, He's a life coach and an author. So we're glad to have him on the show today to show to share his life story and many pearls of riches that he's picked up along the way. So, uh, Dr. Fawcett, we're we're glad to have you and uh, glad to hear from you. Well, it's really fun to be here and to meet you here today. Thank you. It was kind of nice chit-chatting beforehand. That's my favorite part of these things. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if you could just tell us about your family and kind of your career as a general surgeon. Well, I kind of went straight through, you know, the normal path, right from kindergarten straight up to being a surgeon without a break. Um, I guess not a lot of people do that nowadays. Some people take some breaks. But I came back home and ended up practicing general surgery 30 minutes from where I grew up. And so I didn't stray too far from the tree. And uh, I raised uh, two boys here. Uh, I got married. We've been married for 33 uh, years, uh, coming up in a couple of months. And uh, I've had a great life here in uh, Southern Oregon, where I practiced for 20 years with the group I started with fresh out of residency. And then I uh, was ready to, to cut back and and play more. You know, I just a trauma surgeon works pretty hard and I was ready to just maybe play pretty hard. Um, But my partners weren't interested in having a part-timer and our contract really didn't allow for being a part-time doctor. So I had to come up with something else to do uh, to make that happen. And I actually retired from my group and started doing some locum tenens work in uh, small critical access hospitals uh, around the area that I could just drive to. And these little bitty hospitals often had just one general surgeon, and he was at the end of his rope, usually. 
And I could come in uh, a week, a month and just give him a breather and take his pager. And, and um, for him, he was getting a vacation. And for me, I was getting a vacation because going from a trauma uh, town to a town that uh, ships out all of their trauma and I didn't have to cover the clinic and I don't have any regular patients. I only worked a few hours a day while I was there collecting a full salary. So it came a pretty nice way for me to ease out of uh, uh, my practice. And as I slowed down, I finally was able to pull the plug and let go of surgery at age 34. And I've been traveling all over the world ever since. At the age of 34? I'm sorry, that was 54. <laughs> it felt like I was 34, you know. But. Sure, sure. So by the age of 54, that's still very young for a surgeon when you start your career really right around 30, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing was, to me, it never seemed like it was young because in medical school, I had laid out my plan. My life plan was that I would retire at age 50. Uh, and I was going to do medicine up until then. And then who know what I was going to do? I, I was actually thinking about, you know, starting a rock band after I got out of medicine. I, I was in one before I got into medicine and I gave it up yeah. to become a doctor. And I thought when I give up being a doctor, I'll go play music again. And, and it's actually coming true. Uh, I started playing again. I'm going to be doing some uh, uh, like, a, you know, piano bar type music for restaurants and stuff uh, locally here in the next few months. As soon as they start opening it up for that again, you know, yeah, I've been practicing yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. A trauma surgeon in the early 2000s, right? The late nineties, uh, early two thousands. Yeah. Can, I started in 93. In 93. Uh, in, so in this town, I can imagine that was not the popular decision to say, Hey, to my attending, thank you for training me. I will be retiring at the age of 50. You know, I never told anybody that plan. Right. Okay. Um, I did not. It, it, and, and I never thought that that was an unusual thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look around, you see other people that retire in that time frame and, and you see some people that work forever. And right. I wanted to be one of those guys who quit a little bit early so that I could then go play and travel all the world while I was still could. My grandfather uh, gave me that idea when he got sick. In fact, both of my grandparents uh, died before they could retire, really. Um, he got sick and he told me that when he was young, he had all this energy to do stuff, but didn't have any money. Now that he's older, he's got the money to do stuff, but he doesn't have the energy. And just to be sure that I did stuff all along the way while I could. And it was his thinking that made me think that, okay, I'll do this till I'm 50. And mm -hmm. then I'll, you know, go play and do something else. And so, but I never really told other people that. I, and I was saving money from, from the very beginning. I, I was participating in the retirement plan as a resident. And I remember living on just half of our income. My wife worked, I worked, we earned about the same. We, we, we lived on one paycheck. We put one paycheck away for the future. As a resident. And as a resident. Yeah. Uh, my starting salary as a resident was $21,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife started out just a little bit above that when she uh, moved there. And we saved one and lived on one. And, and I remember one of my attendings asking me one day, because I was trying to get the other residents to save for retirement. And he said, well, I just want to know, if you lost your job today, how long could you survive without, you know, needing to work? I mean, 
you're, you're teaching people about finance already. What, what could you do? And I said, well, I could probably go indefinitely, you know, cause I could live totally on my wife's income if I lost my job. Cause we were only living on half. And he did not actually believe the answer. He said, there's no way that you could do that. You probably wouldn't last six weeks before you, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that was his case. And, you know, he was recently divorced and, and um, he was struggling financially, I think, uh, and couldn't believe that a resident could last longer than him if they lost their job. But we lived on well less than we made and we had money in the bank. So even as a resident, you can do that kind of stuff. And that's important to hear because some people might be ready to tune off this show when they hear two surgeons talking about money. But it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you can save. Yeah, that's true. In fact, uh, if you uh, think it's all about the money, I have met doctors along the way who have made $800,000 a year for several years, have a net worth of zero. They spend all of it as fast as it comes in. And then on the same day, I can meet another doctor who's been making about $200,000 a year for several years, and they've got a net worth that's over a million. Uh, So it isn't about what you earn. It's not about having a profession that makes a high income. It's about what you do with the income that you make, because even the lowest earning physicians are in the top five to 10% of the nation. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your plan. So you have a plan as a resident um, and it's to retire at 50. And do you have, is it really detailed? Okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to have a second job or am I going to work as much as I can and save as much as I can? Can you tell us more about that? No. Uh, What I did was I estimated approximately how much money a guy would need to be retired and backed into that, how much money would I have to save every month for the rest of my life in order to do that? Uh, And then I just set that number. I just got to put this much money away every month and I'll be fine. So I actually showed it was really simple. I, I just backed into the number and, and I showed it to uh, another um, physician who um, said, that's not possible. It's not going to be possible for you to save that much money every month. And the, the amount wasn't very much. It was a couple thousand dollars or something like that. I, I don't remember the exact number back then, um, but it wasn't what you thought was a lot of money. It, it didn't seem like a lot of money to me uh, at the time. And yet that amount of money would get me retired at age 50 if I began on the day I started my um, job instead an intern. When you're an intern, they finally get paid. So now you can start saving money for the future. And if I did that, I would uh, be able to successfully do this. And it didn't, to me, it never seemed like any big deal. Yeah. So let's talk about your philosophy of Dr. Rolex versus Dr. Timex. Uh, those are two interesting characters in my first book, uh, The Doctor's Guide to Starting Your Practice Right. And at the end of most of the chapters, we talked about what's happening in Dr. Rolex's life and what's happening in Dr. Timex's life. And, and Dr. Rolex, and, it, and, and neither one of them are getting slammed for their, their choices, but Dr. Rolex just likes nice stuff. Um, Dr. Rolex doesn't just buy a watch to tell time but make a statement. So when people see that watch, they're, they're saying there's success. You know, they, they, they do things not just to do them, but 
also to make a statement and, and to uh, extra enjoy something that, that, that might be happening. But Dr. Timex is more of a practical person and they really are looking for value for their money. You know, they just don't get why you would pay $10,000 for a watch when a $30 watch does the job and looks really nice too. You know, they both do the job. Why would I spend $10,000? Do you know how much work I got to do to take home $10,000? Uh, and that's just to get the watch. And then there's the other things you got to get. So Dr. Rolex is the person who is saving money. They are living on less than they make. They live in a practical house. They, they are enjoying life, having fun, but their savings is growing. Uh, did I say Dr. Rolex? Yeah, Dr. Rolex. Oh, yeah, that, that's Dr. Timex. Dr. Dr. Timex. Because Dr. Rolex is basically spending all the money now. They've got that uh, fear of missing out kind of thing. And they, they earned the money. They've got the money. Why not have this great thing? Uh, why not go on this great vacation? And they really aren't looking towards the future. They're really focusing on the now. And Dr. Timax really focuses also on the future as well as now. So they just have a different philosophy in life. And they really turn out very differently by the time they hit age 65. Because Dr. Rolex has got a lot of nice stuff and some cool memories, but no money in the bank. And, and then they're going to stop working and realize that, gosh, it takes $400,000 a year for my lifestyle to be maintained. What am I going to do now? But Dr. Timex has got a lot of money in the bank. They've also had a good time, had fun, have great memories, but they know that their lifestyle can be paid for by what they have in the bank and they don't have to worry about the rest of it. And I think truly most physicians probably go through a Dr. Rolex and a Dr. Timex phase and really how long it takes you to transition from Dr. Rolex to Dr. Timex um, tells about how you will live after retirement. You know, I went through that Dr. Rolex phase for about a year or so, but a quick uh, job change caught my attention. And I said, wow, what do I do if I don't have a salary? So, you know, thank goodness for that unfortunate situation that got my attention early on to say, hold, I got to be able to save. I have to be able to invest. I need to do things that um, I do not have to rely on this position salary for the rest of my life. You know, I went through a Dr. Rolex moment as a resident. See, while I was saving half of my income, that meant I had a huge discretionary income and my car was dying and going to the shop too much. So I needed a new car. So I thought, well, what kind of a car should I get? Well, a doctor should drive a Mercedes. And so as a second year resident, I went down and test drove a new Mercedes. And I could certainly afford the payments. There's a difference between a, being able to afford payments and being able to afford a car. Yes. I could afford the payments and I test drove that car. And you know, I, I, I knew right then exactly why everybody wanted a car like that. Cause it was sweet. Um, but the, the, the Rolex moment didn't last long enough for me to actually buy the car because I got home thinking about it. And I realized that all of the things I could do with the money that it would take to buy a car just to drive back and forth to the hospital because I worked 100 hours a week. When else was I going to use a car? I just drive to the hospital and back. And so, and then park it out in the sun. Because, <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I got my Timex moment. In the back seat, they were going to take good care of it, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I remember the first new car I got, the kid in the back seat left a blue crayon in the seat in the sun, and I had this big old blue splotch in the back of my nice car uh, first time I had purchased a new car. I didn't get a new car. I bought an actual uh, one-year-old Ford Taurus that year instead of the Mercedes. Yeah. Um, I did replace the car, but I, I, I had a Rolex moment and made it to Timex before uh, I pulled the trigger. And retired in your early 50s. <laughs> yes. If yeah. I'd have been doing stuff like that uh, Rolex moment, I don't think I could have retired in my early 50s. No. So what was the main tool that you used to grow wealth um, to be able to retire early? For me, uh, it was real estate. Um, I My grandmother was in uh, real estate. Uh, in fact, I'm the only relative of hers who followed in her footsteps. Everybody else looked at it and had all kinds of negative things to say about why you shouldn't be in real estate. Um, but I always wanted to do that. And so when I became uh, debt free and my wife and I were talking about what um, we were going to do with all that money that had been going to debt, our decision was to invest that money in real estate. And this was about eight years out of residency when I bought my first piece of commercial real estate and we purchased real estate for probably the next five years or so. And then we quit when my wife uh, convinced me that we have enough real estate now to take care of us for the rest of our life. So stop shopping for more. Mm. <laughs> and so I quit buying uh, and uh, we let those coast and that made up the majority of my uh, wealth uh, and, and cash flow. I had also, uh, maximized all the retirement plans along the way, but everything that wasn't going into a retirement plan went into real estate and the real estate far outpaced what I had invested in the stock market with my retirement plan. Now with the real estate where you sounds like you were more of an active investor, you were actually buying the properties, managing the properties. I was, uh, I was doing it all. Yeah. I was the manager I managed 64 rental units as a full-time general surgeon. And I did that on about 10 to 15 hours a month. It takes, it takes very little time to actually manage uh, real estate. Uh, everybody sees it incorrectly when they think about this. So what I like to tell doctors is think about your office. When the phone rings, do you answer the phone? Well, no, I got a secretary that takes care of that. Okay, all right. And when the patient gets put into the room, is that you who puts them in the room? Well, no, you, you don't do that either. Okay, well, then they get their blood pressure taken. Do you enter that into the computer? No, no you don't do that either. Okay, well, the insurance company that's given pre-authorization, are you the one on hold with them? No. Are you the one who's scheduling the colonoscopy and figuring out when it's going to happen and setting them up with their bowel prep? No, you don't do that either. So my question is, well, what the heck do you do? Why are you even there? That's what my nurses ask me. All the time. <laughs> well, that's the way you need to treat your real estate. Yeah. Um, but for some reason that when doctors think about buying, actively buying a piece of real estate themselves, they picture that they have to do every single little thing that, that, that happens there. And it's just not the case. Um, I set up a system where I automated everything. And so I just did, I didn't even need to do the 10 to 15 hours. I could probably be done this on three hours a month. 
But there were a few things that I really liked doing with the real estate. And it gave me kind of a change of pace from my doctor life. And so it was kind of fun and kind of a hobby. So a few little things I kept. But when somebody needed something fixed, they weren't calling me. I have a maintenance guy who does that. They call him. Yeah. And, and if somebody's refrigerator goes out, you know, by the time I hear about it, it's because I got a receipt in the mail for a new refrigerator. That's about all I got involved. Yet I'm the manager. Yeah, it sounds and, like you ran your real estate almost like it was a large business, more so than just a small business, um, real, real estate. I'm the single guy. I'm going to do everything. Um, you had a plan. Yeah. Um, I, in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I was too busy to be doing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but what we did do, uh, my our first purchase was a 31-unit apartment complex. That was okay. my very first piece of... I started out there. I only did multifamily. Okay. I thought it was way easier to take care of than single bunch of single families all over the place. But that first year, my wife and I did do every single thing. Um, we said specifically for one year, we are going to do everything so that we fully understand all the parts that are going on in this business. And at the end of one year, then we will farm things out and back off. And that way, I really knew those pieces. So when, you know, a, a subcontractor would tell me, Hey, we got to do this. I could say, Hey, no, you don't. <laughs> That's not how I did it. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. Uh, and so it gave me 12 months of education of exactly what all the parts are in real estate. And then I got rid of them all, <laughs> but I knew what was going on. No, that's important. That's important. Like you said, you learned it from the inside out so you could know how to play the game, so to speak. Right. And, and I ran it like I ran my office. Uh, I didn't do everything. And I set up everything that could be automated. And people don't believe that that's really possible. Uh, so I eventually had, had answered that question so many times that I actually developed, a, I have an online video course, The Doctor's Guide to Automating Your Real Estate Investment that just shows you all the steps that I took to just make the thing run by itself. It doesn't really need you there all the time. Uh, I remember I was a speaker at a real estate conference and I was on a panel and we were discussing active versus passive real estate investing. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, guys, you've put me on the panel as an active real estate investor, but let me tell you something. I spent two months walking across Spain with my phone on airplane mode and it doesn't get any more passive than that. Okay. So yeah. I don't think you should be calling this passive. I think you should be calling it uh, something different, something like, you know, direct ownership or indirect ownership, because I'm just as passive as you guys are. I just make more money at it because right. I'm not splitting it with all those other guys, the syndicators and, and other people that, that take pieces of the money out. But you can set it up to be totally passive. If, if, if I can spend a couple of months with my phone on airplane mode walking across Europe, uh, that, <laughs> that's pretty passive. Money keeps getting deposited in my bank while I'm waiting and walking, you know. So yeah. I liked it. I, I agree. I like that philosophy. So tell us about, so you, you're a trauma surgeon, so we already know that's crazy hours. The pager goes off. You have to be there. It's not, I'll be there at 6 a.m. It's 1 a.m., 2 a.m., whenever. Um, and then you have the real estate going at the same time. 
That's a family business, sounds like. Uh, so tell us about the work-life balance that you had, and that always seemed to be an important thing to you. Yeah, um, I, I worked hard on uh, playing hard and having fun. Uh, we did lots of things, and, and we did it by working when I work and play when I play. So, for example, when I am on call, we would not schedule anything to happen. Mm-hmm. We're planning on me not being available at all. Yeah. And if I am available, that's bonus. Yeah. If I can and be here, you know. Those that never make plans on a call weekend, right? <laughs> never make plans on the call weekend. And so, uh, but when I'm off, I'm off. In fact, I had uh, my original partners um, had the old time philosophy of when you're around, you're covering your patients. So basically, you're always on call for your patients. Mm-hmm. But that's not how I wanted to do it. I wanted to have some time where I was off. And so I ended up buying an RV. And so on Friday afternoon, we'd hop in the RV and we'd go camping. And we might just go across town right. <laughs> and to the town. RV place, you know. But when I tell them, hey, I'm going camping this weekend, I'm signing out, then I don't have to work that weekend and I can play. But if I didn't do that, they expected me to make rounds and me to make take the calls on my patients. And so I found a way to, to say, no, I'm not going to do that without telling them, no, I'm not going to do that because they realize that when they're away on vacation, I'm covering for them. And when I'm away, you're covering for me. So I just made sure I was away every weekend. I wasn't on call. And then we also set it up. So we had one night a week or one day a week that we never took call. For me, it started out as Fridays. I think it was, it was either Friday or Monday. So I always had a three day weekend. Uh, that works great until my kids were in school. And once they were in school, the three-day weekend didn't help because (laughs) I had to be back anyway to put them in school. And so we switched my day off to Tuesdays. So I always knew I was free on Tuesdays. And so my wife and I could set things up. We We could join a class that meets on Tuesdays. We took dancing lessons on Tuesdays. You know, we, we had a night each week that we knew was ours and we protected that night uh, all through now every now and then you know well often stuff happened um but we were able to put those things into an already open day and so those were some of the things that we did you know it allowed me um in 2009 my son and i started bicycle racing he wanted to race and I thought, well, he's young. I got to take him to the race anyway. If, he, if he's going to be there and I'm going to be there, I might as well race too. So I started racing bicycles. And then I started looking at the rules and how you get the all, win the all-around award. And my son and I went after it in 2009, said, we're going to go for the all-around uh, awards. And my other son caught fire on that and says he could do it too. All three of us won best all-around rider in Oregon in our age groups. And uh, it was really cool. So I raced, I was in a bicycle race somewhere in the state. I think I raced 56 races that year while I was working full-time and managing the real estate. So, and I'm still also, you know, a worship leader at church. And I was in, uh, I took the lead in a musical uh, in town. When I, when I was doing the musical, they practice every day. Um, So I got one of my partners and says, hey, you know, for the next two months, I want to be in this musical. Will you take all of my call for the next two months so I can do the musical? And then the following two months, I will take all of your call and you'll get two months with no call. 
he thought that was a good deal. So here I am lead in a musical. And so you can make the work-life balance happen, but you just got to do it. And it sounds like being organized as well. You always had a plan and working towards that plan. Yeah. Even when I was playing, I had a plan. (laughs) You know, my wife or my mom thought that was a fault. You know, when do you ever relax? Even when you're playing, you're, you're, you've got, you've got it all planned out. Yeah. So what do you tell someone who is saying, wow, Dr. Fawcett is retired in his early 50s. You know, he's owns a lot of real estate. He's a surgeon. How do I get there? It seems impossible to get to where you are. What would you tell Um, a young medical student? You know, it is super simple. You just got to follow three rules. Uh, Spend less than you make, save the difference and do that for a long period of time. That's really all it comes down to. People turn it into this very complicated thing. Like you got to know special investments and you got to be able to do this or do that. But that's not really true. All you got to do is live on less than you make and save that. And frankly, as long as you invest that in reasonably conservative stuff, it's going to grow with time and you're going to be fine. Um, People try and complicate this just way too much. And if I wrote a book on uh, um, the doctor's guide to real estate investing for busy professionals, for example, and it spelled out all the things that a busy professional needs to know to keep his life intact while he's investing in real estate actively. And that would be a good place to start. Just read that and you get an idea of how to plan your life so that when you get to the other end, there's money in the bank and still energy in your legs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, in America, the main thought is work, 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 work. And then when I'm old, I'll enjoy life. Yeah. But like you said, it's not promise number one. And then you might not have enough energy in your legs to race 56 races in a year. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you'll be like my grandfather. Uh, one of my grandfathers, I told you about their, uh, the other one uh, got uh, lung cancer and when he found it, it was metastatic and he died in just a few months and he was still working at the time. Neither one of them really made it to retirement. I tell people every year, I want you to take one thing off of your bucket list and put it on your calendar. Don't save everything on your bucket list for someday when you get retired. I had a wake up call about that Um when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I realized that for several years, she has been saying she wants to go on a cruise to Alaska. But every year we kept putting that off. Every year we kept doing some other kind of vacation. And it was never this cruise to Alaska that she wants. And then I realized, what if she turns out like my grandfather and she's dead next year. And we never got to do that. And we could have, and that was when I really woke up to live every year. Like you're retired, you know, take those things that you say you want to do, you know, like I walked the Camino de Santiago for 450 miles. And if you want to do something like that, I say, okay, great. When is it going on your calendar? When are you going to do it? When are you going to make time for that? Because someday may never happen. You best get busy on doing these things. And if you'll do something every year, 
then when you reach retirement, uh, it's not all that different. You're just doing a few more of them. But the people who just work, 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 and someday they're going to do all this cool stuff after they retire, they don't tend to do the cool stuff after they retire either because they've set up a pattern of how they live their life. So live your life with fun in mind and work it in there all the time. Wow, that's profound. I, I love that. So take something off your bucket list every year and put it on your calendar. Yeah, one. I mean, we all have enough time to do one thing, one really cool thing this year, right? Yeah. You're going to go on some vacations anyway. Why don't you make one of those your something off of your bucket list? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Fawcett, thank you very much. Um, on Time Out with the Sports Doctor, I usually say this is your final timeout where you have one last thing that you can give. I don't know if you can top that last one with the take something from your bucket list and put it on your calendar. But if you have one more nugget that you would leave um, to a maybe a physician who's struggling with their work-life balance or a physician who's saying, you know, I feel like I need to do more. I feel like I need to work more. Uh, what would you say to them? I would say your answer to your problems is almost never to work more. Um, when you come home, why don't you spend the first 15 minutes and concentrate on the people who've been home all day and see what happens for the rest of your life that way. We tend to come home and we're tired and leave us alone. Let me go in this room and hibernate. Let me watch TV. Let me do, you know, leave me alone. But when you get home, take the first 15 minutes to meet your kids, meet your spouse, talk to them, spend a little bit of time with them, give them the time you haven't given them all day. And it will set the tone for the rest of your time that evening. That's excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Um, and what would you, I have your information, but what would you tell as far as somebody who to follow you and want to look into your books and into your, your life story, how can they follow you? Uh, yeah, just, you can find me at financialsuccessmd.com and everything's there. If you want to find one of my books, uh, there's five of them out now. Many of them are bestsellers uh, and award winners. Um, there's more to come and the courses are there. Everything you need will be there. I put a blog out every week. Uh, just follow me, uh, join up with the people who get my advice and have fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your story and definitely thank you for being available to empower other physicians and other young um, entrepreneurs. Well, it was fun coming and talk to you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace.